You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. So before I get started, I want to just share something funny with you that I heard from a good friend of mine who has a, has a, a medium-sized church in Houston. And um, he, uh, it's Joel Osteen, by the way. Um, and so his joke is his. If you don't like it, please email him and, and call him. Okay, do not call me. Um, so a pastor who had been pastoring for 35 years was uh, looking around his wife's closet, and he found this box. And inside this box were six eggs and 100 $1 bills. And, and he goes, just scratching his head, that's an odd combination to have in this box. And so he goes to his wife and says, honey, what, what is this? What are these eggs? And she goes, oh, darling, Every time you've preached a bad sermon, I put an egg in this box. And so he goes, wow, six eggs, 35 years? That's, that's pretty good. I feel pretty good about that. Good odds, you know? And then he goes, well, sweetie, what, what are these $1 bills stacked up for? She goes, oh, every time I get a dozen, I sell them for a dollar. <laughs> Smile. All right. It's a good day. Hopefully this will not be an egg, all right? Oh, that's good. It's good to laugh, good to have fun, um, because we're, we're going to come into the Word. We're going to learn something. The Holy Spirit um, speaks to us through the Word of God, and so we're going to learn today about the fullness of Christ Jesus, and I'm really excited about this. I know I say that a lot, but I really am, because this goes hand in hand with what we talked about last week in Philippians 1.6, when we talked about walking in the purpose of God, how God is intent on Finding us finding our purpose in him and fulfilling it. As a matter of fact, Philippians 1.6 says something that's so powerful that should put all of us at ease, cause great courage and great peace to fill our hearts. The scripture tells us this, that he who has begun, God began the purpose of Christ in you. You didn't. You didn't begin it. You didn't say, hey, I'm going to do the things God called me to do today. No, The Holy Spirit struck something inside of your heart and called you to something greater than who you are. God did it. And it goes on to say, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the coming of Christ Jesus. And that God is intent in in causing those things that he has set in your life to come in and be worked out. No matter if maybe you're going through a low point or you're at a high point, a crooked point, or you don't understand point, you don't understand what happened yesterday or what's heading in your future, no matter where you are, God is intent about getting his purpose in you, out of you, and he resources it by his own strength, and he promises it upon himself. He promised it upon his son at the resurrection, and he promises it, uh, the fulfillment of it at his son at the return. One day Jesus will come back. One day he will split the heavens. The scripture tells us so. And that's a place where we anchor our hope. And God says, just as surely as you can believe that Jesus will come back one day, that that day will come, understand that every purpose that I put in you, that I created for you to do, the uniqueness of who you are, I am going to fulfill in you by my strength to glorify the name of my son, Jesus Christ. But we, as we understand our purpose what helps us to further us in our purpose for Christ Jesus, because let me just stop and say this, that it's not about us. It's not about our desires necessarily. Yes, God 
God does something that is truly supernatural with our desire when he puts his purpose inside of us, that our desires begin to be filled with joy, that they line up, and that our hearts get fulfilled by doing what God has called us to do. But it's not about us. It's not about us. It is about the name of Jesus Christ being glorified. It is about the Son. It is about Jesus Christ. And so in order to walk in our purpose, we need to know how to be fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And the scriptures tell us this in the book of Colossians. And we're going to look at this in just a second. And so today, we're going to see what Jesus came to do inside of us, how he does fulfill us by the power of the resurrection and we're going to begin to respond to that, see what that fulfillment produces and why we have to live it. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something I don't normally do when I speak, is I'm going to actually dip into a story in the Old Testament, somebody who really modeled this idea of fulfillment, and help you maybe understand how purpose and fulfillment go hand in hand, how God has created his purpose and Christ's fulfillment in us to come together so that we do the things that God calls us to do. You ready? All right. So let's open up our Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to read a chunk here, verses 6 through 15. If you don't have your Bible, don't worry about it. Look up at the screen. If you have it on your phone, open it up in your app. Uh, Facebook is not the app you use for your Bible, okay? <laughs> FYI. Uh, I'm just kidding. All right. Colossians 2, 6 through 15. So it says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Listen to this. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes, takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and your uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all your sins, having canceled the charge of your legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He also he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross." And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Now, let's just look at this for a second, if you would, because we're talking about living in the fullness of Christ. And Paul sandwiches something in here to this letter to the church in Colossae, where he says, listen, this is how the fullness of Christ begins to come inside of you. This is where God begins to spark off the understanding, the revelation. Maybe some of you will hear it called. And, and, and this is how this comes into being inside of you. Because how many of us would just simply agree with this? That there is a huge distance between here and here. 
There's a huge difference between what we know in our mind and what we know in our heart. What we know in our mind could be filled with stuff we read, stuff we've heard, all, all different sources, news, media, all this stuff. We can be filled with all this information. But does what you hear in the news do anything for your heart? Does it bring you peace? Does what you read about, does it bring you hope for your future? Not always it doesn't, unless it's attached to something life-giving. And here Paul, not to, not to just bang this out too far, but here Paul is saying, listen, I want you to understand this very important truth that you must not just know about the fullness of Christ, you must live in the fullness of Christ. It has to occupy your heart. It has to be a part of you. And this is how it happens. How do we know that? Because the very first thing that Paul says is this, is he says, listen, I need you to be rooted and built up. I need you to be strengthened and I need you to be overflowing. I need you not just to understand it here, but it to sink down into the roots of your spirit so that it can build you up, so that it can begin to strengthen your faith, so that you begin to overflow with joy and thankfulness. This is what the fullness of Christ looks like. And Paul says it's got to get in you. And here's how it gets in you. Something that was happening to the church in Colossae is happening to us today. And it's interesting that these problems just don't go away from humanity over the course of time. But their thoughts were beginning to veer off. They started, and he's not talking to people outside of the church. Paul is talking to people in the church. He is talking to the church. And these people had begun to believe something other than what the Spirit of God, what the Word of God was saying. Their minds were beginning to be deceived. And the very first thing Paul says, if you're going to live in the fullness of God, you've got to guard your minds. If you're going to live in the fullness of God, if I can be simple and practical to every one of you, if you believe you've been called with a purpose, then it may be time to tune out of certain things that are drawing your attention and your peace and your joy and the life out of you that are coming from outside sources. It may be time to shut that off. It may be time to shut off a social media source. It may be time to tune out from something you're watching. It may be a time to maybe not just what you're not doing, but start to pay attention to the right things. To start to get into the Word, to start to receive the Word with fullness. Why? Because when our minds aren't guarded, what happens is what Paul says, is that you just basically got duped, church. You got duped into deceptive philosophy of human tradition and elemental spiritual forces. And this is what he's saying, is that you begin to, begin to listen to somebody give their take on who God is, or the status of the world, or what they think is going to happen. And it didn't at all line up with the truth of what God says. And you begin to believe that rather than what the Word of God says. You begin to be duped. And this is the way, if I can, just interject this for a moment, and why we have to understand that part of walking in the fullness of Christ involves how we protect our minds, is that this is one of the ways the enemy works. There's all sorts of opinion out there, all sorts of things that say all sorts of things about God. 
But the reality is this, is that God never intended for you to take somebody's word about himself for yourself. He wanted you to know him directly. He wanted you to go to the word of God and begin to formulate a, a relationship that was real and deep and intimate, that you would know his love for yourself. See, let me say it like this. You can't live off of mommy and daddy's love for Jesus. Even if you're 60 years old and you're going, mommy and daddy went to church every day of their, of their life and that's who we are. But you might not know Jesus as, your, as a personal way. And it's time to know him. Why? Because you're not guarding your mind. You're not guarding your mind. Paul goes on and says this, that the best way to begin to fortify ourselves to receive the fullness of Christ is to understand that we are joined with Christ through his death, burial, and resurrection. This is very important because there is a conjuncture here that Paul uses, and it's this illustration with the idea of the cutting away of flesh, physical flesh. Matter of fact, I don't want to be too graphic here, but he uses the word circumcision. That's a physical act. We all understand that. We all know that. And so he uses that in conjunction with this idea of understanding the revelation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's what this means. That because Jesus Christ came as a physical person, he was fully man and fully God. What happened is he took the full amount of humankind's sin upon himself. And the need for his physical body to be broken, to be pierced, for his blood to be shed was imperative for sins to be removed. Something physical had to die in order for the physical stain of sin to be removed off of man. In the Old Testament, they used sheep and goats and birds. But Jesus Christ came and he became the perfect lamb. And what he did was atone once and for all. And so his physical death was important. And we must be joined in with him. Why? Because you can't know enough about Jesus to live a sin-free life. You have to be buried in Christ Jesus so that the power of Jesus Christ empowers you to live free from sin. And so Paul says this, and he says, if you want to be full, you got to know that you died with Jesus. But then you got to know you got buried with Jesus too. And here's what the burial of Jesus signified. Is that the stain of death, the stain of sin, the thing that holds us down. Because let me, let's get real for just a second, okay? All right, all right. Everybody just take a deep breath in. Nobody lift their hand right now. But we've all been to this place where we've sinned. And we repented. And we said, and it was true repentance. Jesus, I am sorry I did that. Please forgive me of this sin. But then not even a week later, you find yourself dipping your hand back into that place. Here's why. It's because you need to understand the burial of Jesus Christ. See, because what happened at the burial is that there was a confrontation. And the confrontation was this. Could mankind's sin hold Jesus in the grave? See, there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians that says, O death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? 
The sting of death is in sin. But thanks be to Jesus Christ who overcame sin. See, because there was a confrontation in the tomb. And the confrontation was this. Can sin hold Jesus down? Is it possible for that he who was fully God and fully man to come out of this tomb and break the power of sin? Not just one time, not just one day a week, not just one time a year, but for all time, for all mankind. And Paul says you got to understand that confrontation that you fight with every day. That's not sealed up in your understanding. That's sealed up in the burial of Christ Jesus. Somebody did it for you. It was Jesus Christ. And then he says, just as surely as he was buried, understand that he who died and he who was buried rose again. And the answer was solved once and for all. That sin was fully defeated forevermore in the lives of the believers. But see, this is exactly what the fullness of Christ Jesus is. What does that mean to you? It means this, that the things that have tripped you up yesterday or last week or last month or all last year in Christ Jesus, they are defeated. They are done. You're not seen that way through Jesus Christ. There is a freedom that is available for you. It starts at this place. It goes to the place where you begin to renew your mind and you begin to grow in truth. That is the fullness of Christ Jesus. But there's something else that Paul says here in this passage that we just read. And it's this, and it's a beautiful thing. As he said, there is not an enemy against God that has not been put on public display through the power of the resurrection. And what's Paul saying, just in a simple nutshell, is this. There's not a tool of the enemy. There's not a tactic of Satan. There's not a deceptive plan. There's not a wily little, wily coyote little like, thing being working. He's going to blow up Bugs Bunny. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing happening. Look, there's nothing lurking around you. There's not anything that is haunting you. There is not any spooky things that reside on your property. Paul is saying this here. He's saying, listen, not only have you been set free through the blood of Jesus, you get excited about this for just a second with me, please. He said, but you're not even tormented by the threat of it anymore because it has been completely broken. As a matter of fact, one of the things that Jesus did is took the enemy and led him through a showcase and said, never more will this guy ever bother you anywhere, at any point, at any time, not in the middle of the night, not in your backyard, not through anything you see. He ain't going to bother you no more because he is whooped. <laughs> this is what Paul said. Now, okay, so here's the thing is that you have to understand this so you can live in the fullness of God. Why? Because I've seen so many people with purpose line up and go, I know that I'm called to do this. But then when they see something in front of them, an obstacle or a fear or something, they stop dead in their tracks and they go, I don't know that I'm called anymore. I don't think that I can do that anymore. And that's just the sneaky enemy trying to say, oh, you can't do it. And Paul says here, if you will be in the fullness of Christ Jesus, no longer will that stop you. No longer will it stop you. The world around us needs some people who are fully believing Jesus Christ for everything he has called us, who are living in the fullness of Jesus and the purpose of Christ Jesus. Why? Because they need to see the reckless 
unyielding love of Jesus Christ exactly where they are. And somebody's going to have to get up and go and go do it. And somebody's going to have to say, I believe that the power of the resurrection is in me. And I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. All right. So let's just really quick, we're going to wrap this up with this. Thank you all. I know I'm... uh, So let's look at Joseph. My wife just held up an egg. <laughs> I'm just joking. She didn't. She didn't. <laughs> just seeing if you're paying attention, guys. So in Genesis, the Bible tells us a story of a guy named Joseph. And well, I'm pretty sure most folks here are, are familiar with Joseph. Quick rundown. A couple of things about Joseph that show this agreement between his purpose and being filled with the fullness of God in him, all right? This is important to see. Because Joseph did amazing things. We all know that at the end of the story. But what got him there was a connection, an agreement between his purpose and the fullness of God. Okay, his purpose and the fullness of God. So from a very early age, Joseph understood that he had a call of God. He had the purpose of God set on his life. You don't start talking to your brothers about dreams you had when you're a young teenager. Especially dreams like Joseph had. Like, you guys are going to bow down to me. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> you know, in my family, I was the youngest. I had an older brother. If that would have happened, he would have dotted my eye. You know, like, <laughs> so I get where his older brothers are coming from in this story a little bit. But he had the understanding that he was called of God. But here's my question for you this morning concerning the life of Joseph is, why is it not enough to know that you're called with a purpose? Why is it not enough to know that you're called with a purpose? So why didn't just this understanding, this this whatever you want to call it, prophetic vision, vision dream, God thing that happened to Joseph, why wasn't it enough just to launch him into the outcome of it? Why didn't he go from dream to like, I'm the man? And I'm going to give to you this morning that I believe he had to understand the fullness of God in his life. And the good news about Joseph, like many of us, it came through a series of solid ups and downs. And the purpose of God and the fullness of Christ Jesus is not dependent Upon your ups and downs. It is only dependent upon you recognizing and agreeing with the truth of who God is. So here we see Joseph. And we understand that he gets thrown into a pit first. And then he gets imprisoned falsely. And then finally, he, while in jail, he gets forgotten about. Now, Joseph went through the trials of life, and in spite of these trials, he learned how to walk in the fullness of God. The, the pit thing and being sold into slavery, we understand, we, we get, and that's the first kind of punch in the gut. And then under, the, the being wrongly imprisoned, that's terrible. That's awful. But I think, honestly, if it's just you're asking my opinion, the thing that really bugs me about this about Joseph, is when he was forgotten in prison. When he interprets the, the dreams of his fellow inmates. 
And he gives the one the good, the good outcome. And he says, listen, when you stand before Pharaoh, will you please just tell him about me? Put in a good word, man. I'm tired of being in this cell. I don't deserve to be here. I didn't do anything wrong. I know that God's got something on my life. And I know it's not realized yet. I know I've got purpose. But I'm, I'm okay understanding the fullness of God where I am. And the scripture says something that blows my mind right after that. If you read the account in Genesis 40, the very next thing you see is two years later. Two years later, that guy forgot. He forgot about Joseph. He got free and he forgot about Joseph. But Joseph never stopped learning to live in the fullness of God. And the reason we know is because what happens in Genesis 41 where Joseph actually gets to stand before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh gives him his dream, the dream that he had, and Joseph interprets it, and he says, listen, there's going to be seven good years, and there's going to be seven bad years. And Pharaoh, you better step up and prepare in those seven good years for the seven bad years. And here is where we see the marriage between purpose and fullness, because Joseph could have come out of that prison cell angry, couldn't he? He could have came out of that prison cell bitter. He could have came out of that prison cell bitter at God. He could have come up and said, hey, hey, this is a God that interprets dreams. He could have said, no, I'm not anymore. The God who gave me dreams, is, he's not there. He's not, he's not real. I wouldn't have gone through all this stuff if he was real. But Joseph didn't stay, say that. He stood up and he declared the name of his God before Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh hears the interpretation of the dream, and it's not the first interpretation he's gotten, he's looked and listened to all of his other advisors out there. But something resonates in Pharaoh's heart where he says, that's truth. And he looks at Joseph and he says, Joseph, you're the man for the job. I need a wise man who's able to understand God, who's able to hear God, who's able to take the resources and do what's necessary to do to prepare us for those years that are to come down the road. You got the job, and in one day, Joseph goes literally from a prisoner to second in all of Egypt. From a prisoner to the second in all of Egypt. So what happened? See, the purpose of God was on his life when he was a young man. But the fullness of God had to get into his life and able for him to stand at the right time in the right moment for God to do exactly what he needed to do for the outcome that God exactly wanted. And when we understand the fullness of God in our life and we begin to live in that place and we begin to receive that inside of us and that becomes real inside of us, what happens is that there is a joy on the way to our purpose. Justin, come on up, man. Last thing I want to leave you with this morning is this, is in Colossians 3. Paul puts a bookend on this thought about living in the fullness of Christ Jesus. Verses 1 through 4, you can just listen to this. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, 
not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. The way we get there and begin to live in the fullness of Christ. And if the fullness of Christ puts the power of the resurrection alive inside of us, where we get to learn to live in a place of true joy, a true contentment, understanding that the one who has called us is the one who loves us, who is the one who has set the order of things in its perfect timing. I understand that when I speak a message like this, there is a temptation. I'm just going to be honest. There's a temptation for some of you to say, look, you don't understand where I am. I hear you talk about purpose and I hear you talk about calling, but you don't know the, the real life struggle that I'm walking through right here, right now. And I want to tell you that this is what God says in his word about that. And this is the grace that he extends out to you this morning if your heart is broken. And if you are feeling that, that pressure of saying, God, there's too many things stacked up in front of me in order for me to do the purposes. He's inviting you into a revelation of his fullness that is able to do something so supernatural, so freeing, that it can truly, honestly, and we use this word a lot, but this is very much the absolute truth. It can truly transform you. It can honestly transform you. And Paul says this in the passage we just read. And he said, listen, this is what the fullness of God wants to do for you. It wants to make your heart free. It wants you to be able to come to a place where instead of having your heart heavy and having your heart burdened and having your heart filled with the cares of this world and, and, the, and the issues and the anxiety and the pain, and these things that I'm going to actually invite you. God is saying this to you. I'm going to invite you to put your heart up here with me. I'm going to invite you to take and to lift your heart off of this place and put it up here with me. Set your heart on things above. Set your heart on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And in this place where I am, your heart is going to be able to dream. Your heart's going to begin to dream again. To lift itself off the heaviness and the brokenness that has shattered you in the past. And you're going to be able to dream again in the purposes that I've called you to. And the things that make your heart happy, that cause you to rejoice. You're going to begin to get free. Your heart is going to begin to get free. And there's a reason why. If, if I can just... If I can just, just give this one more final hit right here. There's a reason why God lines these things up and says, your heart has to come before your mind. There's a reason why you come into salvation before you renew your mind. There is a reason why. Because if your heart is heavy, if your heart is broken, your mind and your body will not move. And God is intently, intently, intently interested in healing your heart and touching your heart and setting your heart free and lifting the pain off of your heart. He loves you. He knows you. He sees every moment, every hurt, every pain. And he will rescue you. And then he says this, he goes, listen, he 
need to have your mind in the right place. Get your mind in the right place. Set your mind on things above. And he invites us to establish our mind. To begin to believe the things that the word of God says about us. Can I just ask you a question this morning? When you read the Bible, do you see it filled with promises from your heavenly father for you? Because if you don't, begin to let the Holy Spirit heal your heart and renew your mind. And bring your mind up to a place where you actually begin to understand. My kids know this about me. They know that I'm goofy. I'm goofy. They know that I'm funny. They know that sometimes I'm really, really serious. Sometimes, like, when I get my eyes big and bulged out, uh, any, any parents like that with me? Like, you know, you know what's up? About to happen. But there are times that when we hit an impasse with our kids, it comes down to this. I will look at them with the fero- ferocity, ferociousness, intently. And I will say this. Do you know that I love you? Do you know that what's coming out through me exceeds past the things I'm asking you to do, but that I love you? That I love you? Are you hearing that my thoughts for you? Do you know that I don't see you in this moment just trying to fix one thing, but I see you in the future and I see the fulfillment of me? Do you know that I am concerned and I care about you? Do you know that when you don't come home, I stay up at night? Do, do y'all know that? <laughs> My kids here, do y'all know that? <laughs> no, they come home. What am I telling you? I'm telling you this, that here's the thing, is that in order for our mind to be established, in order for us to come to the Word and believe that what we read, it's a promise that God has for us, we have to understand that He loves us. And so when the love of God begins to invade our heart in the way exactly where we need it, then we can come to the word of God and we can begin to receive the word of God in our understanding and say, yes, these things are for me. This is who I am, that you are the God that forever holds a future and a hope in front of me. And it leads us to this final purpose, and it's this, that Paul says that your life is to be hidden in Christ Jesus above all things. That when you come out, when you go do things, when you set about your day and you go about your actions, that it should show two things. The agreement between your purpose and that I am filling you with the fullness of everything that I am and the fact that you are living to glorify my name on this earth. It should show those two truths in operation all the time. That you are a person on purpose, filled with the fullness of Christ, and your purpose is to Bring the glory of Jesus Christ out into the world. Amen. Can I pray for you this morning? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word that, Jesus, you desire to fill us with your fullness in every area of our life. And I know, Father, that there are folks here that have been in church three times as long in their life as I have. And that there are folks here that maybe have just graced the doorstep of this place. But, Father, I I pray right now for every one of us, no matter of our past, that you would begin to fill us with the understanding and the knowledge that you are making us and causing us to be filled with the fullness of Christ Jesus, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus 
would begin to be made alive inside of us, that we would begin to see ourselves set in a place filled with the purpose of God, filled with the purpose of God. Lord, and for every person here that is brokenhearted, that is downtrodden, that is facing a mountain that is too big for their understanding, Father, I pray that you do the things that you promised that you would do, that you begin to set their heart in the place of the knowledge of the love of the Father right now, and that you begin to set their mind on the truth of the Word of God, that you are for them, and that you have promised, Lord, that you would be beside them every step of the journey that you have called them, so that, God, as a people, we would be a people that bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ and point people to the knowledge of the love of Jesus Christ. I pray, I pray, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts with that truth, Lord, every burden, every shackle, Lord, that is weighting down folks this morning, Holy Spirit, by your power, just begin to break those right now in the name of Jesus. Father, those who are dealing with physical issues, that are dealing with things that have affected their brain, their body, their cells, their joints, Holy Spirit, begin to touch their physical bodies now in the name of Jesus. You are who you said you are. You are the healer, and we trust you for that. So, Holy Spirit, thank you for the revelation of Jesus, the healer. Thank you for that. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, please? If I could just have a couple of our ministry folks come up. Ronnie, Charlotte, if y'all come up. Rodney, Pam, if y'all come up, please. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for being here today. Looks like you're going to be able to beat the lunch crowd out. This is good. Man, this morning, if you are here and you need the peace of Jesus Christ in any area of your life, you need somebody to join with you and say, look, I need to understand the revelation of that fullness. I just need prayer for a specific area of my life. We want to pray with you. We want to minister. This is, this is why these, these folks are up here, because... They want to just join with you in prayer. And if you're sitting here today, standing here today, and you go, oh, that's kind of me, but I don't want to take that step up, listen to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. Don't worry. Don't worry. Listen to the Lord. If in your heart you know today I need prayer for something, and, and it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter what it's about, but I, I don't know how to get there. I just need somebody to put their arms around me, to join hands with me, to pray with me. Maybe help me to get that off of my chest. If that's you this morning, do not leave. Listen. Because that is a beautiful invitation of the one who loves you that wants to set your heart free, that can only set your heart free, who wants to come and set you free. And his love will pursue you because here's what will happen. Let me just be real with you for just a second. Here's what will happen. Is that 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 jumping on your heart, you can walk out of these doors and you can leave here. But that jumping on your heart's not going to stop. And maybe you'll walk into another door of another church and you'll hear another guy speak and that jumping will still be there. And maybe that day you'll respond. Or maybe another day, but that jumping will never stop. Here's the reason why. It's because the love of God will pursue you and pursue you and pursue you and pursue you. It's because it is who he is. So this morning, if you need that, don't leave, please.
receive it, okay? Let's bless you. Father, I bless these folks in the name of Jesus. Fill them with your love, your grace, and your mercy, I pray. Amen. Have a great week. If you need ministry, come up. If not, have a great week. We'll see you next week.